here to help us kind of sort through what's going on with this Grizzlies team to Michael Cole of the Memphis Commercial Appeal covers the Grizzlies and let's just I mean start with that I'm sure you've been quite busy uh, what do we know in terms of any sort of timetable for John Morant just his overall situation surrounding the team and, and what you're hearing yeah uh, how we doing guys but um, at this point we know that I mean for one there isn't a firm timetable you know, it, it's a very realistic chance that he could be back, you know, a couple of games against Golden State, but it's extremely realistic that he won't play another game this season. And both of those are the case because of the fact that uh, we got to start with the investigations, right? Remember that the Grizzlies are the ones who announced that John Morant is stepping away from the team for at least the next two games. That was solely the Grizzlies' decision. There was some dialogue between the Grizzlies and the NBA, but that was separate from the league. Now you go to the league. The league is conducting its own separate investigation. Uh, as we know, with the league and guns, they don't play. So they do not play when it comes to guns. So, I mean, the best-case scenario for, for Ja when it comes to league punishment, I think, is a hefty fine. You know, I and the only thing, you know, that comes to mind off the top of my head when we're talking about Instagram Live fines was Anthony Edwards. Earlier this season, he had said some anti-gay remarks on Instagram Live, was fined $40,000 for it. So uh, that's the best-case scenario for John Morant, a, a hefty fine in, in, in that sort of in that realm. But uh, worst-case scenario is the league finds out, you know, that potentially there was a gun you know, involved in the travel party, whereas, you know, on the team plane, you know, a gun in the hotel and all those things, these are strict rules in the NBA, and uh, this could lead to a hefty suspension that could potentially possibly even carry over into next season. So there's a lot of different scenarios here, and you also got to weigh in that the Colorado uh, Police Department out there, they're also conducting their own investigations. So in a way here, there's about three different angles, you know, that this is coming from, and, and it's a lot to take in, but uh, we don't have a timetable because there are so many different factors uh, who have input on when John Morant will play and, you know, uh, all those type of things. So like you said, the Colorado Police Department are investigating to see if Jaw broke laws there, but also you also mentioned that there was a possibility that he transferred the gun onto the team plane. What that reminds me of is when Gilbert Arenas mm -hmm. brought the gun into the locker yeah. room and then that broke NBA uh, you know, protocol for team facilities, and he got a 50-game suspension for that. Do you think there's a possibility that the league, and it's a different league now, with Adam Silver, would, would levy that sort of suspension on Jaw and there's a possibility we wouldn't see him in the playoffs? I think there's a possibility we don't see him in the playoffs. and, and I don't know if it'll be you know, a 50-game, you know, suspension in that realm. Let's say it's a 20-game. If it's 20 games, that's the rest of the Grizzlies' season. So, uh, it, you know, that is a possibility here, and that's something that's certainly, you know, not being ruled out. Uh, the NBA, from an investigation standpoint, you know, we follow these things all the time. I talk to a lot of people, you know, up there in the league office, and usually when it's something where they're just trying to, you know, determine – how many games a player is going to be suspended or, you know, a fine because of, you know, a hard foul or things like that. It's one day, two days, three days at the most. Uh, this is something that the league is taking their time with 
And, you know, we'll see what type of punishment is handed out. But as I said earlier, one thing we know for sure, the league does not play when it comes to guns. That is a very, you know, we've seen the league, you know, have messages uh, advocating, you know, you know, uh, bringing attention to gun violence and things of that nature. So this is not something that the NBA as a league takes lightly. And uh, it definitely cannot be ruled out you know, that there's a chance that he won't return for the rest of this season. Man, obviously they'll get Dylan Brooks back from the suspension, but uh, how big of a loss is Brandon Clark, who's giving you 10 points, you know, five and a half boards, and just signed a four-year $52 million deal? He's out for the year now. Uh, how big of a loss is that, and how concerned are you with the team's depth right now? Yeah, that's that's a big loss. That's instant offense off the bench, and, you know, he he has a, a defined game. You know, when Brandon Clark comes in the game, you you know exactly what he's going to do, when he's going to do it, and then there's that versatility standpoint that they're going to miss. And what I mean by the versatility standpoint, let's go back to last year in the playoffs, right? You're playing against the Timberwolves, and Steven Adams, starting big man, starting center the entire season. Steven Adams struggled in that series. Luckily for the Grizzlies, they a lot of teams can't bench their starting centers and, and succeed the way that Memphis did the rest of that series. Uh, they benched Steven Adams in that series, and Brandon Clark ended up being one of the two best players on the Grizzlies that series, along with Desmond Banks. Some people will say he was the best player in that series for the, for the Grizzlies. So you, you lose that versatility where if there's a matchup, if Steven Adams doesn't match up well against a guy, you don't have Brandon Clark say, okay, we have a guy who's a little bit lighter on his feet, a little bit more athletic, who can kind of match up against these small ball teams a little bit better than Steven Adams. So you lose a little bit in terms of your versatility. But the Grizzlies, you know, they still have a decent amount of depth. Xavier Tillman got the start uh, against the Clippers yesterday. I think he had 13.5 rebounds. He's actually, in this period of time without Steven Adams, you can make a strong argument that he's played better than Brandon Clark overall in this stretch of games. But there's no doubt about it. Brandon Clark is the better player as that four-year, $52 million contract alludes to. And it's, it's a big loss because the Grizzlies pride themselves on depth. And, you know, that is something that's, that's starting to weaken out when you think about, you know, Dylan Brooks, the suspension. Yes, he's going to be back, but Dylan Brooks is, is, is not a guy who who is uh, not you, – you, you don't go into a game not expecting Dylan Brooks to get, get a technical foul. Let's just say that. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, you know, uh, each, each two technical fouls is an automatic one-game suspension, so we don't know how many more games he could miss as well. So one of the things, DeMichael, that worried me about this team, because I actually liked the Grizzlies as a team at the beginning of the season to come out of the West. I think defensively when they were at full strength and you know some of the talent they have, they can obviously score. They can, they can do things on both ends of the court. Everything has obviously changed with this team. And there was a report out there uh, you know, about a, Stephen Adams talking to the team, closed-door meeting. you got to pay attention to what you're doing when you're on the road. Basically telling some of the younger guys to grow the hell up, and a lot of it was indirectly directed at uh, John ja Morant. When when you look at Dylan Brooks and all the suspensions and constantly getting in guys' faces and this almost this desire to be the bad boy Pistons but not because you really can't today's NBA because it's not the same game, uh, does it concern you besides everything, taking away the John Morant situation, obviously, and just looking at what goes on on the court? Uh, let's say John Morant does come back after 10 games, whatever the case is. There seems to be a level of immaturity with this team. Is that something that concerns you? Uh, I mean, it's it's notable. It's definitely concerning uh, because, you know, it's a tale of two seasons, right? Two years ago, it was like, oh, man, this young team, second youngest team in the NBA, and they just won 56 games. Wow, the future is so bright in Memphis. And they're basically acting the same exact way 
but there are higher standards now. And, you know, now there's a bigger spotlight on them. So now when Ja Moran and Dylan Brooks talk trash, it's not like last year when they're saying, oh, look at Ja and, and Dylan and Desmond Banks standing up to LeBron James. This year it's annoying. It's like these guys haven't won anything. Why won't they be quiet? So it's a different perspective, you know, uh, from there. But, but yeah, you look at the Grizzlies locker room. There's not a player above the age of 30 years old. There's not a 30-year-old guy in the locker room. Uh, last season, there wasn't a player – you know, above 30. Steven Adams has been the oldest player in the Grizzlies locker room the last two seasons. He was 28 last year, 29 now. And Steven Adams, as you mentioned, is, is the guy in uh, Sham Sharania's report who kind of called out, you know, uh, you know, the players to, to be accountable and things like that when they go on the road. And, you know, there's been some questions about that in the past. You know, the Grizzlies are 12 and 20 on the road. They've struggled on the road. They go out to these games in L.A., they get off to slow starts at the beginning of the game, which will lead you to believe, man, what were they doing that led to this slow start? So uh, all those are valid questions, but it is concerning because I will say this. In the Grizzlies locker room, there hasn't, at least in my time covering the team in the past you know, season and a half, there hasn't been a definitive moment where it's like that's the one guy who's going to stand up when something goes wrong and get the team in check. Yeah, it's it's astounding that report, and there was a lot of chatter about Jaw needing a vet in the locker room. Like you said, nobody's above thirty years old. Is there anybody in the NBA that is not his teammate that you think he has a relationship with that's high enough where they can get through to him if he hasn't really, if this isn't enough to get him to want to change? Jake Robert. Uh, Jay Crowder is someone he played with his rookie season, uh, half of his rookie season, and Jay Crowder was traded, you know, uh, to the Miami Heat, and that's when he went to the finals, I believe, the next two, next three years. But Jay Crowder is someone who, you know, when he was a Heat, you know, Ja used to call him, that's my vet, that's my vet, that's my vet. And they had a really solid relationship. They still do, you know, um, even when Jay Crowder wasn't signed. You know, he and, he and Ja – of course, they wouldn't they wouldn't tamper, but they would have conversations, you know, on on Twitter, you know, about you know, staying staying the course and things like that. So Jay Crowder is that one player because Ja just in general. Remember, they haven't had a lot of veterans around them. So, and he isn't the most like you know. We talk a lot about how the league is so friendly now. That's really not Ja. You know, he's he's respectful of a lot of guys' games. I know he has a great relationship with guys like Anthony Edwards and some other young stars. But overall. You know, he's not the guy that's swiping jerseys with a lot of guys at the games. So uh, Jay Crowder is that one vet who, you know, he can he can get through to him, you know, if need be. Do, do you feel like, and I'm, I mean, you're dumb if you think that they're better without John Moran on the floor, but they did go 20-5 and five without him last season. They won last night without him, a nice comeback win. Do you think that there's any pressure just because the team does play pretty well and Tyus Jones is, I mean, I think he's one of the better backups in the league. You think there's a little bit more pressure on Ja to kind of like get his stuff together here in the next year, especially with all the endorsement money as well coming through? Yeah, uh, there's pressure off the court for sure. You know, you mentioned the endorsement money, right? You have a Nike uh, deal here uh, that's his, his signature shoe is supposed to come out in roughly three weeks. Uh, you have, you know, uh, Powerade just made you the face of their brand. You know, they they basically came out and said it straightforward. John Rant is the face of Powerade. So when you think of those things, yes, there is a lot of pressure um, on him. But from the basketball side, I don't – that's kind of been the problem, though, guys. 
there isn't much pressure that we talk about accountability you know has job been held accountable and things like that in the past when there's been little sequences of man job is is someone saying to him uh saying something to him after little thing after these reports come out it doesn't feel like it you know all we hear in the media is after that is you know the team supporting him you know the team's rallying behind him and that's that it's it's never hey you know john needs to get it together so in that case, you know, uh, the basketball side of things, it feels like, you know, as Desmond Bain said yesterday, um, when, he, when he's back, we'll welcome him with open arms. And I think that's genuinely how most of the team feels. Once he's back, he's going to assume his starting point guard duties, and, you know, things will go on. In your estimation, really quickly, we have about a minute, do you think that the team, players, coaching staff, et cetera, is afraid of alienating Jai by holding him accountable? I think to a certain degree, yes. That's a that's a, a big part of this. Uh, uh, they are making it more of a, a thing to hold him accountable now because of everything that's on the line. But that is part of why we got here. Wow, it's crazy. Yeah, uh, we got a few seconds here. Give us a couple of players, maybe you think that are going to step up in Jaws' absence. Tyus is the the the, the easy answer, and then another one is uh, Desmond Bain. Desmond yeah. Bain's yeah. game kind of you know becomes a little bit more multi multiversal. He he assumes the backup point guard duties as well as the starting shooting guard role. And he, he tends to average, you know, over five assists when Jaws out and shows more of his ball handling skills as well as the shooting. To Michael Cole, Memphis Commercial Appeal, locked on Grizzlies. Thanks for coming on with us and helping us sort through all the all right, chaos. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's it's Thank crazy you. to think of just like how much this is it went from a situation with John Morant where it was whispers around the league and now it's just being yelled with a megaphone at the top of a mountain. There's all the dirty laundries come out. It's all out. I do think he plays though again this year. You know, I feel like I do too. If but... it's a felony for you to put bring a gun on a plane and you that is your gun and you brought it to Denver where that is a, a felony to have it in Denver County, which it is. I don't know that he does. But don't you think somebody'll just say it's if my it's, gun? If it's registered oh. to him, yeah, well, that's, that's the issue. That's the issue. Is he going to, like, is someone going to flush this gun? What is the gun that, that they produce to match up with it? There's a lot there. The question also becomes, was it someone else and he just held it for a brief moment? Was it somebody that was a bodyguard of some kind that has the license to be able to carry that across state lines? Like, there's a lot of legal aspects to this that are far beyond what anybody in the NBA scope yeah, he get, is going to yeah, deal with. It's crazy. I remember uh, Scottie Pippen got caught at the airport growing up. He had, he had a pistol, and I was like, what is Scottie Pippen doing with a gun? But it's just crazy that he has to be able to get it on the plane. If it's, well, that's a down. private plane, right? So yeah. you, can just, you can bring anything on a private plane. They're not really checking stuff. No. No, they don't, check, they don't check bags on, on private the private plane. Lights, right? right. Man, that's wild. It's, that's worse than a locker room. Yeah. yeah, it is. And you're just you're airing everything out by putting that on it. You know, this is... It's a lot easier to have to be taken down by social media to be propped up. It's always that case.